What's up, guys? This is Jacques. Welcome back to Unpopular. I am just going to warn you off the top. If this episode is a hot-ass mess, I'm sorry, but there's been so much last-minute recordings. So many things have been fucking up. So I recorded an interview last night with Melissa from Married at First Sight Australia, right? And even if you don't watch the show, this interview was pretty juicy because she had a 10-year sex drought, okay? She literally didn't have sex for 10 years because when she was on the show two years ago, it was an eight-year sex drought. Then it hit 10 years, obviously, 2021, right? She broke the sex drought with this guy, Jake, who was like the hottie from the latest season of Married at First Sight. And the season finale, Married at First Sight Australia, with Jake, it was like the main character, right? It aired last night in Australia. He had this like big storyline. And then when that aired, it came out, the news broke that Melissa had broken her 10-year sex drought with him, like during some point. And she told me the story, and I'm telling you, it was so fucking funny. It was so outrageous. It sounded like a scene from, like, a comedy film, like The 40-Year-Old Virgin or something. Like, I was dying laughing, and I was so excited to release it. And then I don't know what the fuck happened with my audio, but I listened to the audio back last night because we recorded it quite late. All my audio was fucked. Like, the interview was- you couldn't salvage it. So, I've been scrambling to record, like, extra content to fill this episode because I didn't want you guys to go without an episode. I also have some rapper that I found on Twitter editing my- or trying to salvage the audio because I tweeted. I was like, does anyone know how to edit, like, this podcast audio? Um, And I described the problem and some rapper with, like, anime pictures as his Twitter profile slid in my DMs and- I don't know if he's going to run off with my money because he doesn't have a business profile or and anything. He just was like, yo, I just make rap songs, but I know how to edit audio. And I'm like, cool. And I just sent him money and I'm like, can you just see if you could fix this? So we'll see what happens with that. Thank you for everyone that has left me some nice reviews in the past week. Cause I know that I'd asked you to offset the negative reviews. There was Kurt, there was, I can't remember everyone's name. So don't scream at me, honestly, because sometimes the name doesn't come up as your actual name. It comes up as like a weird username that I can't remember. But thank you for the positive reviews. I got a bunch of negative ones and I'm trying not to obsess over negative reviews because I'm not that much of a- I mean, I am psycho, but I'm trying not to like obsess over the bad reviews, right? But I was just surprised that I got a bunch of negative reviews recently from Australia because I actually expected that I would get more bad feedback from America because I'm like, well, Americans are more easily affected offended. And it's actually the Americans showing me the love and the Australians being the haters. So, I mean, I think Australia's cancelled now. Someone said, what, uh, you have white privilege. Um, you don't have interesting sociological takes. I actually have very interesting sociological takes or whatever. Um, it's just negative opinion. I mean, I am pretty negative, so that's fine. Uh, so, she said that. And then someone else said, uh, I usually... Wait, wait, sorry. Someone else said, the, pre- <laughs> the presenter clearly has very low self-esteem and issues around race and women. Well, that's the first that I've heard. I mean, the self-esteem thing's probably true. I don't have issues around race and women. They also said, I'll listen to this when I've listened to the proper Bravo podcast. Well, good for you because I don't want to be a proper Bravo podcast. I'd rather talk about other stuff. Although I am talking a lot of Bravo today, which I know some of you will be happy about because I haven't talked that much Housewives lately, so we're getting back on the Housewives train, but 
please feel free to listen to the proper Bravo podcast lady. Although I got a really nice review from someone. I want to give them a shout out because they said, um, actually, I won't read out the compliments because then I just sound like so up myself. But she said, please send Claire, me and Leith, my mum, a shout out because we love you. So here's the shout out. Thank you, Claire and Leith, for the five star review with the clapping hands emojis. Love that for me. You guys are amazing. And thank you to all the Americans who have been leaving me these great reviews because, like I said, I'm getting the haters are coming from Australia. The the call is coming from inside the house. So, fuck you, Australia. Okay, so, oh, I got so many messages from you guys about my episode last week with Jeff Epstein about how much you loved it, and that makes me happy because that was actually one of my favourite episodes, and a lot of you said that you want me and Jeff to date, and, I mean, obviously I agree, and you all said that we were so cute together, we had a vibe, we had chemistry, so clearly it wasn't just me feeling the energy, you guys felt it too. Um, One of you called us a match made in hell, I loved that. The bad news is that... think it was just us feeling the love connection. It was very one-sided. I just don't think Jeff is ready to propose to me after one podcast conversation, which is a shame. But the good news is that Jeff has not taken out a restraining order on me yet. So let's celebrate that. Given my dating history, I'm going to take that as a huge win. And you know what? Do you remember how Jeff said that he has a brother that used to read my blog back in the day? Well, I realized that his brother follows me on Twitter, which I never knew. Uh, So I followed the brother back. And then I saw the brother pop up in Jeff's IG stories. And he is really, really cute. Like, I was like, damn, like, that's Jeff's brother? So... Maybe I'm actually destined to be with Jeff's brother and not Jeff. I mean, he is straight, which is unfortunate, but he does look gay as fuck. So maybe there's a chance that I can sway him. And the fact that he was a fan of my blog shows that he just clearly understands me as a person. So I feel like he could be the one for me. So you guys, let me know if you want me to have Jeff's brother on the podcast or at least try to get him on so I can just like flirt with him and be a psycho and try and turn him gay. So tell me if that's something that you would like to listen to. By the way, I got in so much trouble for last week's episode because I shouted out a few other podcasters that have been nice to me, right? And then literally every other person in my life who I didn't mention was rage texting me about it. How could you not mention me? Why didn't you give me a shout out? You never give me shout out. Like Megan from So Dramatic hit me up, Kirsty from Reality TV and me. They were just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, we supported you more than anything, which they did. So just for the record, Megan and Kirsty, among some others, have helped me out more than anybody. And they've been like my day one ride or dies because we're actually friends in real life. But also, just to clarify, when I was doing the shout-outs last week, it wasn't supposed to be, like, my official Oscars acceptance speech. It was just be, like, rattling off a few podcast names that came to the top of my head while I was mid-rant. No real thought went into it. No offence to the people that I mentioned. I'm not diminishing, you know, the love that I showed you guys, but it was really just, like, a spontaneous ranty thing. It wasn't, like, an official list of, like, who supports me and who doesn't. I didn't just – I didn't put any thought into it, honestly. And I felt bad when all of my friends were sending me abusive messages because obviously from their end, it kind of looked like a snub, even though it wasn't. 
And I know the pain of being snubbed from a speech all too well because my mum didn't thank me when she got married, even though she'd used me as an emotional crutch for years while she was single, and I've honestly never got over it. Like, she got married probably eight years ago, and I'm still resentful to this day, deep down, and our relationship has actually never been the same. I'll just give you a condensed backstory of that, actually. So basically my mom was single for years and she was desperately trying to find a man. She had a bit of like Heather Lockley in a perfect man vibes going on. And then she met this really great guy. He had also been single for a long time. He was actually still married, but he was separated for years from his wife at the time. And it wasn't that amicable between them. They didn't live together or anything. They just co-parented for the sake of the kids. That was about it. They just I guess they just hadn't bothered to sign the divorce papers. I think some people can't be bothered going through the legalities of that if they don't need to, if, you know, things are going fine otherwise. So they were just sort of like living their life legally married, but not together. So my mum and this guy get together, right? And they fall madly in love, like straight away, like it went from zero to a hundred with them. And there was some drama then from the ex-wife because I guess she... I mean, even though they were separated, I guess she didn't want to see him move on because, I don't know, I shouldn't say, I won't say anything mean because it's like family. Um, so, <laughs> so whatever, there was some drama from her side and there was also some issues from the kids on both sides, from me on my mum's side and then from all of his side because I guess we had like a little bit of trouble getting used to it because we'd all always had our parents like full attention because they'd been single for so long. And then suddenly we were just like, you know, bumped to second place or fucking a hundredth place in my case. And there wasn't much empathy or understanding from my mum or her husband towards how like, you know, the kids were feeling about it because they were so wrapped up in each other. They just had real like tunnel vision for each other. And I'm an only child, right? And my mum was really clingy and overbearing and critical and all of that my entire life. And we were really close and we would talk on the phone almost daily. And then when she met her now husband, it was basically like she forgot I even existed overnight. Like she just fucking vanished into a puff of thin air. And it's like, hi, you know, (laughs) what happened to me, your son? And there was more to it than that, by the way. I'm giving you like the really short version of events so this doesn't turn into a family therapy session. But anyway, look, being tossed aside by her, it did hurt my feelings at the time, but I actually never said anything. I just remained supportive because I knew that she really wanted to meet somebody and get married and, you know, the kids on his side were giving him a lot of grief and drama and because they got engaged like really quickly and stuff and then they were taking their mum's side because, you know, she had issues and jealousy and it was just like a whole thing. So, you know what, I just like support them and I said nothing. Actually, I did try to bring it up once after there was an incident that happened, but she couldn't even hear it because, you know, like I said, it was just like tunnel vision. Nobody else mattered. So I just like grinned and bared it whenever there was, you know, issues or whatever. I'm like, I'm just going to be there for my mom. So fast forward to their wedding day. Okay. I'm there with bells on supporting them as I had done the whole time, even though I'd been very snubbed. Like I said, I went from only child to like completely irrelevant overnight. And they've done the ceremony at this point. It's time for the speeches. My mom's husband gets up. He gives his speech. He thanks every single one of his kids, like even the ones who hadn't been supportive, who had been, you know, making drama and kicking up a fuss for like months. He thanks all of them. Beautiful speech. Like his He's he's a really great guy. Like, I really, you know, really like him. Then my mum gets up, gives her speech. <laughs> no mention of me or acknowledgement or any anything. Like I said, it's like 
I don't even exist, even though I was the only one of the kids who supported their relationship, despite honestly having valid reasons to get upset over things. Like I said, I haven't gone into like every single like detail of everything. This would be here for like 10 years. But like I had valid reasons to be upset, but I ignored it all, pushed it all aside. I didn't want to rain on her parade or anything, just wanted to be supportive. Don't even get a thank you on the wedding day. I was shocked. I was like, hang on, how are you going to use me as an emotional crutch my whole fucking life and then not thank me when you get married? The only one that's like been there for you, literally, because she was sort of like a bit of a loner and everything. And I'm not even mentioning the on and off boyfriend she had my entire childhood who didn't even like me. It was very obvious. And she stayed with him the whole time. So I definitely paid my dues when it came to dealing with my mother's relationship issues. So she doesn't thank me. I'm sitting there. I don't say anything. And then as soon as the speech is finished, like my two friends that I brought along with me, they came up to me and they were like, I cannot believe she didn't mention you. And then they said a relative at their table had said that too. So it wasn't just me being precious. Like it was a very obvious admission. Like it's kind of like if, I don't know, Taylor Swift or whatever, not even Taylor Swift because she writes her songs, but fucking Selena Gomez wins a Grammy and then she doesn't thank the songwriter or the producer. It was like, hang on, really? You're not thanking them? Anyway, it ruined the whole wedding for me and I went home early and I never got over it. And after the honeymoon period ended, you know, with my mom and husband, like they're happily married now, but once they, you know, came back down to earth because they were on Mars together, um, you know, she went back to her usual way of like being clingy towards me again and overbearing and critical and the whole bit. And I've just never been as close to her ever since then. Like we still have a good relationship. It's fine. I actually saw her the other day for lunch, but it's never been the same. And now they all act like I'm selfish and I'm cold because I'm not as warm to them as I once was. And it's like, no, sis, I just don't want to be your Norman Bates anymore. Okay. So my point is, I know what it's like to be snubbed. And I'm very sorry to every podcaster, friend, influencer that I didn't shout out last episode. It definitely wasn't personal. Also, Kirsty and Megan are both going to be on my podcast coming up. So you can look forward to that. And by the way, I know I have a lot of female listeners, so make sure you raise your sons right or they'll turn out like me. Consider my very existence your warning on motherhood and raising boys, okay? All right, let's get into some reality TV goss. Okay, so The Real Housewives of Atlanta, it has been pretty good this season. It started off as a total snoozer. I actually kind of stopped watching for like one or two episodes. I was just like, I cannot do this anymore. Then the Strippergate scandal happened in the middle of the season and we got through Cynthia's boring wedding. And ever since then, it's been great. Like the new girls, Drew Drew and LaToya, are really, really good additions. Like I love both of them in different ways. Like Drew was very annoying, but I think she fits in the show well. LaToya's a hot mess. I love it. Kenya and Marlo are stirring the pot as they always do. It's just been really fun, but as usual, the best drama is happening off screen. I'm going to break this whole thing down because this is like, this is really complicated (laughs) what I'm about to get into. Okay. So bear with me. So do you remember at the start of the season, I did an episode about Portia and Kenya having a beef around Black Lives Matter. What happened at the time, so this is at the start, was that Kenya accused Portia on the show of getting arrested at Black Lives Matter protests for publicity, basically. Then Portia hit back at her on social media. Then Kenya said that Portia had been upset and jealous over Candy doing Black Lives Matter stuff on the show and that she wanted it cut out. The implication from Kenya was basically that Portia wanted the social justice storyline all to herself and she didn't want to share that activist spotlight with Candy. 
Now, I always believe Kenya because one, Kenya is my girl. I love Kenya, one of my favorite housewives ever. And Portia's the shadiest person on the show, like probably the shadiest person on Bravo if Jen Shah didn't exist. And she's done similar behavior to this in the past in terms of making up fake storylines, throwing other people under the bus, just being, you know, a conniving individual. So fast forward to the end of the season, right? And this big article comes out in Vulture, right? And this article is about how Bravo is handling like social justice issues and, you know, all of that type of stuff. In the article, the full truth about this fight is finally revealed. So what happened was that when the Black Lives Matter movement first started taking off last year, Candy went to the Bravo executives and she suggested that they do some programming around BLM for the Bravo audience specifically. So that resulted in this TV special that you guys might remember. It was called Race in America, where Bravo celebrities, including Candy and Portia, discussed black issues. Bronwyn somehow wormed her way onto that one as well. Not sure how she scored that, but you know. Wherever there's a camera, Bronwyn will show up. So on top of that, uh, Candy got this special on air pretty much. And Candy also asked Bravo to hire more Black-owned production companies and to hire interns from Black universities. So she's behind the scenes making things happen for the BLM movement. When Candy told her other Atlanta cast members that she had done this, some of them got upset that they hadn't been included. They wanted it to be like a group effort of like they all go forward and make these requests as opposed to Candy doing it, which is stupid to me because Candy probably knows more higher ups at Bravo than anybody else, given, you know, um, how many spin offs Candy has and how long she's been with the network. Like she's been on Atlanta longer than anybody. So, Portia was among that group of the ladies that got annoyed. Portia was kind of at the forefront of it. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Portia was whipping up the other ladies to get upset at Candy. Candy was upset by the reaction, especially with Portia in particular, because Portia had been so vocal about Black Lives Matter in the media, and she's like, hang on, why is Portia being petty and wanting to be included in this when, you know, this isn't about Candy and Portia, this is about doing stuff for for Black people and for the Black Lives Matter movement. What does this have to do with you, Portia? Why are you being upset? I thought you were an activist that you want all these things happening for the movement, and now you're upset? Side note, in this article, a Bravo staffer who wasn't named, uh, they said the fight was probably about jealousy and power and wanting to cozy up to the network executives. Like, Portia was jealous that Candy was doing something with these Bravo bigwigs because, you know, Portia wants to be the queen bee of this show, which is very obvious if you've been watching for a while and you've seen how Portia swerves and moves and tries to get where she wants to be. So anyway, Candy confronts Portia about this incident on camera while they're filming the season. And apparently they're having a discussion about it. Then messy old Kenya gets involved. It turns into a big fight. Portia then goes to Bravo and she demands that they take the scene out of the show. So it never airs, okay, because they do what she said. The season airs, the scene is not included. But they left in Kenya questioning Portia's activism and arrests. So if you watch the season without knowing any of the stuff going down on social media, it just looks like Kenya was being a hater um, and was just like, I don't know, questioning Portia's activism out of nowhere and you don't actually have the full context of like why Kenya is doing it because obviously now when you know this other side of it it's really about this issue about you know Portia giving Candy all this grief about the other stuff so the Vulture article drops 
and it sort of starts going viral a bit on social media because because it has all this tea of like what went down and Porsche hits the roof um because the article as well it like vindicates Kenya because people on social media had been calling you know Kenya a hater oh, you know Kenya's hit a new low how could she question the black lives matter activism you're disgusting Kenya and now this article comes out and it's like oh Kenya was telling the truth, and so was Candy, because, you know, Candy and Kenya are sort of a package deal and had both more or less said the same thing. Candy says things in a more PC type of way. Kenya will just, like, put it all out there on Front Street, but it, like, vindicated them. So, Portia goes off and she's, like, says that she's going to go on her Instagram live and, you know, expose the truth and what went down. I'm going to set the record straight. I'm going on Instagram live in, you know, one hour. Meet me there and I'm going to, like, spill all the tea. So, she does a 35-minute Instagram live. She talks in circles about just nonsense and basically confirms everything that Kenya and Candy and the article said. She doesn't refute anything. She confirms that she had the scene taken out, but she tried to put her own spin on it. So, she tried to say that um, she wanted it taken out for the good of, you know, the black community because she didn't want people seeing, you know, black women arguing over Black Lives Matter and that it wasn't a good look. I mean, first of all, if you're arguing about this issue and it's not a good look, well, too bad because you are on a reality show and this is an organic fight that you had. So, while it may not be the most PC fight to air, it may not be the best look for the movement. I mean, if that's what's happening, like, I want to see it just like I wanted to see the fight that, you know, Kelly Dodd and Brolman had about Black Lives Matter. If this is a real discussion, like, let's see what's going on. I hate scenes being cut out of these shows. And it's strange that even a housewife can actually go to the network and say, I want this scene taken out because, again, I mean, don't even get me on this whole tangent of housewives being fake. So, yeah, Portia was trying to save her image because she didn't want her jealousy towards Candy being aired out on the show, obviously. Why else would she want the scene taken out? It's not about like, oh my God, I don't want the movement to look bad, girl. Like, it's obviously was about Portia not wanting to come off bad, Okay. And it doesn't mean that Portia doesn't care about Black Lives Matter. Like, clearly she does. Like, her activism's amazing. It's commendable. It's inspiring. (laughs) It's probably the one thing Portia's ever done that I like. And I really do think it's incredible that she um, has just become such a fighter for this movement. But she's also shady as hell. And she wanted to be the face of this movement, you know, for the Bravo network. She wanted that platform. Her entire Instagram Live was just one long PR spin where she confirmed everything that was already out there. She refuted nothing. She was just trying to put her own little spin on it for damage control. It didn't work. I even saw some people in the comments going, you know, I work in PR. I see what she's doing. Like, this is BS. And usually Portia gets a scary amount of support. Like, she has a lot of people fooled. So, the fact that more people are seeing through this than I expected is, I mean, I'm kind of happy about it because I'm used to a lot of dumb fans just, like, Portia has a bit of an LVP fan base in some ways where, like, no matter how obviously shady they are, they just have these, like, diehard fans that love their personality. So, a lot of people, I think, are seeing through this now, which I'm happy about. And this Vulture article, it's very thorough. It's very well-researched. It's written by, like, a real journalist at a major media outlet. It probably went through multiple editors. Bravo's PR would have been involved. I'm sure that this article is more reliable than proven liar Portia on her Instagram Live. 
I just feel like, you know, what's it going to take for you people to really see that Portia is the shadiest person on this show? She is the villain. The villains on these shows, they're not the obvious person. Like on Beverly Hills, the villain's Lisa Vanderpump. It's not Brandy Glanville. On Atlanta, the villain is Portia. It's not Kenya. Portia has been doing this shit for years. Like, don't make me rehash season nine rape gate again because I'm sick of rehashing it. But then I feel like I have to because I'm like, hi, with the goldfish brains out there, what do you not remember? Like, what's not clicking? Do, do you want me to remind you what happened? And then the following season where Portia showed no remorse, was got caught lying. She made a fool of herself at this party that Candy had and then lied about it on the show and tried to throw Candy under the bus and then she showed up to the reunion wearing a crown like she literally had no remorse she was like relishing in what a horrible person she is and then she went on this image rehab tour after that and yeah the this Black Lives Matter thing has helped her image quite a lot um it has he's definitely changed the perception of her she's worked very hard since season 9 to turn things around for herself she's done it very successfully which is why she was so desperate not to have this stuff included in the show because it's sort of undoing like these years of work that she's put in to like turn it around. Also, look at who Portia's friends have been on The Real Housewives of Atlanta over the years. Phaedra, who was just out of like beyond, Nene, a nutcase, Kim Zolciak, like the shadiest people on the show are Portia's allies every season. Like birds of a feather flock together. Also, guys, remember my interview with Carlos King? We discussed how when Claudia Jordan joined the show for the one season, Portia purposely sabotaged all of their scenes together so they would fall flat and Claudia wouldn't have a storyline because Portia had been demoted that year. She was trying to keep her peach. She didn't want Claudia replacing her. So, I mean... Come on, this is what she does, all right? And I'm not saying you can't like Portia. She's beautiful, she's charismatic, she's hilarious, yada, yada, yada. It's She's fabulous. But just stop pretending she's this angel and that she's not shady and will throw her own grandmother off a cliff to fucking get a flat tummy tea deal on Instagram over someone else. Like, this is just who she is. You know what else is interesting? Candy was doing all of this activism, like, behind the scenes without credit. Like, she didn't make it a storyline or go on a publicity tour to let everyone know what she was doing for the movement. She was just quietly grinding behind the scenes and making a real shit happen. She got the special in the air. She's telling them to hire interns. Like, what does Candy get out of telling Bravo executives, oh, please hire black interns. Please hire black owned production companies. It doesn't really benefit Candy. Like, she was doing that for the good of the movement. She wasn't out here wanting a medal for it. I mean, it didn't even come out, a lot of this, until the Vulture article. And it's not like Candy called up Vulture to leak the story. It's like Vulture was doing an overall broad article about social justice kind of stuff and race issues within Bravo, and then obviously it naturally came out. Meanwhile, look at Portia. Not only was it her entire storyline all season, she even made it her tagline on the show. What was her tagline this year? Like, you know, I may be whatever, but now I'm all about social justice, something like that. And remember the, that episode, right, you guys, when her sister threw the surprise party, I use the I use the term surprise loosely, a surprise party to celebrate Portia's activism, like she was the new Martin Luther King. That was set up. I mean, come on. She knew that party was being thrown. Are you joking? Portia's very tight with her sister and her mother. They have a podcast together. I think that 
Uh, I don't think Portia's genuinely friends with any of the women on the show. So, this is kind of her nucleus, her family. And as if they don't discuss things with each other, like, okay, girl, you're going to throw me this party and we're going to have it on camera. It was like so over the top. They had a game plan. Now, do you see why Kenya questioned why Portia kept getting arrested? Like, do you get it now? What's not clicking? What do I have to show you to see who the real Portia is? Like, I feel like it's it's out on the table now, right? Can we all accept it? And stop pretending that she's the queen of the show. Candy's the queen of the show. I don't care if you think Candy is boring. That's your opinion. The fact is that Candy has more spin-offs, more success, more social media follows, more everything. I'm so sick of people being like, Candy's boring. Candy needs to go. It's like, go where? She has she's so boring, yet she has more Instagram followers than any other housewife. She's so boring, yet she has more spin-offs than any other housewife, and they have higher ratings. She's so boring, yet she keeps getting booked for, like, every other TV show, like The Masked Singer, which she won, Big Brother. She's so boring, yet now she's becoming a successful actress, booking acting gigs. She's so boring, yet every single business she does is a success. Like, how many fucking businesses does she have? She has the the dildo line, the OLG, old lady gang. She's got the fucking dumb dungeon tour. She's got makeup. She's got everything. She's a songwriter. I just don't know why it's so controversial to say that people use charity and activism to promote themselves. Of course they do, especially in this climate, because that's like fame currency now to be all, you know, woken on top of these issues and to be an activist. You You make a lot of money being an activist now, which is you know, it's it's so different because you picture an activist as someone that's just out there on the streets. I'm not saying Portia's not out there on the streets. She is. Portia's definitely, like, I do think Portia cares about the movement, so I don't want anyone to think that I'm, like, I'm not invalidating the work that Portia has done because I think it's great. I'm just saying that she milked the fuck out of it to get on another level of her career and use it to, like, help her image and stuff. Like, her career has skyrocketed since her BLM makeover. Like, she got a podcast deal. She's the host of Bravo's chat room. She signed with a major Hollywood management agency, which isn't easy for, a, like, a real housewife to do because housewife stars, they're kind of over now. So, she's more relevant than ever before. I would say that she's bigger than ever before. She's definitely... Candy's the queen of the show, but Portia's definitely, like, the second one there. And, again, that's why Portia's so upset knowing that Candy's, you know, doing something with the executives because Portia wants that to be her because she's like, I'm, you know, I'm climbing the rungs of, of this. You know, Nini's out the way. We got rid of fucking Sheree and Phaedra. Like, you know, it's my turn. Like, I'm going to be the queen of this. Like, whatever. I just love how Candy minds her own business. She just focuses on her own thing, and that's why she's so successful while Portia's clawing and conniving her way to be where she is now. So... Look, I hope we all get it now. I don't want to be back here in six months having to remind you yet again about Portia. I mean, I feel like this is what I was doing when Lisa Vanderpump was still on the show. It's like, hello, get with the program. (sighs) Anyway, you know what else I want to talk about? Nene is back. Uh, Nene signed with Zeus. I have a feeling I predicted this. Did I predict this, guys? I know I've talked about the Zeus network before. So, the Zeus network is this... It's just, it's, you know, it's a, it's a rough network. (laughs) It's like a, it's online streaming and they basically bring back that old school style of reality TV that was like the old school bad girls club, the flavor of loves. There's like a lot of fist fights. It's very violent. It's very scripted. It's very like just ratchet because 
they get really crazy characters. Like, they'll get strippers from God knows where and- I don't even just these people are out of this world on these shows. And I think that a lot of them, they're very scripted. It seems like it's very fake overproduced shows. They give a lot of shows to like random influencers. Like they gave black China's mum Tokyo, Tony, a dating show. I'm pretty sure it was, I mean, I hope it's fake because some of the characters that come through on these and they, they film all of these shows basically in like one mansion. And it's kind of the same premise of almost every single show that they do. It's, It's strange. Like, I get what they're trying to do because they are trying to bring back the old school, like, VH1 flavor of Love Star, which was amazing. But because it's so low budget and they do it in such a fake way, it's like, I don't know, it doesn't really hit. They have a show on there that's getting quite big called um, Jocelyn's Cabaret. It's Jocelyn, what's her name? Hernandez, I think, from Love and Hip Hop. I don't watch Love and Hip Hop, but she basically runs a strip club and she teaches these girls, like, how to be, like, the top stripper or something. And then the strippers, you know, punch each other and, like, beat each other up. And there's a clip that's going viral now where one of the strippers says that um, she's like, you know, I sacrificed so much to be here. I um, aborted my twins. And then one of the other strippers goes, damn, that's a double homicide. Like, I mean, the- <laughs> I kind of like how not PC it is because you would never see this kind of shit anywhere else. So I like that they push the envelope, but it's, it's a hot ass mess. Anyway, that's Nini's new home, Nini's new network. Miss Nini, who thought she was on the level of like Halle Berry or something has ended up on the Zeus network. I actually think this is a good fit. I'll tell you, (laughs) I'll tell you why. Nini's sort of like too big to be on Zeus because like Nini's kind of a big star in reality. And Nini's definitely on a bigger level than, um, than Tokyo Tony, Black China's mama. But Nini's also got the worst personality and she's delusional and she's completely insane. Remember, she went on this, like, a, I think an 18-month campaign long calling Bravo racist. She never once had any receipts to prove that Bravo had been racist. Um, just a nutcase. So I don't think that she could really work anywhere else. I don't think she could work on E or any of these other networks because she's just insane. And then I think that being on Zeus will be good for her because it's like she is a big name. So they'll probably kiss her butt a lot and she'll kind of get to be like a main star of Zeus because she needs that. Like she can't cope if it's not all about her and it's, you know, she doesn't have control over everything. And I think because these shows are really, really fake on Zeus too, that you know, Nini's going to be able to, like, script it and fake it however she wants. And Nini knows how to perform in front of a camera. She's going to be funny. So, she's just going to give us the funny Nini that we like. And, yeah, so, uh, I have a happy ending for Nini, I think. Yeah, if you guys want to subscribe to Zeus, I don't know. I subscribed to it, Britt, because I was just curious. I wanted to watch the Tokyo Tony show. And you could actually access it in Australia, which surprised me. I just downloaded an app and paid for it. Uh, But then I unsubbed after about a month. I'm like, you know what? You've seen one Zeus show and you've seen them all. Like, you don't need, (laughs) you really don't need to watch the others. So. Yeah. What else Housewives do I want to talk about? Housewives of Dallas? I mean, you know, guys know that I stopped watching it, but I did watch one clip on YouTube because it was so bizarre. So they're on a cast trip somewhere. I'm not sure where they were. They looked like they were in some kind of cabin. And there's a thing on the Housewives of Dallas where they play a lot of pranks on each other. And some of the other ladies, they dropped like fart bombs in Carrie's room. I think that they got from, I think Tiffany did it and maybe Brandy. I feel like Brandy's always playing pranks on people. And Carrie got upset over it. And then 
instead of getting them back in a normal way, she went to the fridge and she got, it was like a giant tub of salsa or something. She poured it all over their fucking bed. Like, I mean, she literally got this giant jar tub thing of salsa, tipped it all over. And then she was acting like that was the an, the same equivalent of them putting a stink bomb off in her bedroom. And then I saw Cam lose it. And Cam was like, what the fuck? Because I think it was Cam's rental home or something. And they're like, where am I going to sleep? We have to like clean the sheets. It's soaked through to the mattress. Are you fucking insane? It's 3am in the morning. How are we meant to go to bed with salsa everywhere? Like you ruined the bed. So, I don't know. It's just, I mean, I can't believe that Dallas has come to this, that people are doing fart bombs and dumping buckets of salsa on each other's beds. I mean, it's such a shitty show. But I did I actually walked in on my housemate watching some of it, and I saw Tiffany crying to her tiger mum about how mum didn't spend enough time with her. I like Tiffany's storylines. Um, But, yeah, look, the rest of it, I don't know, but... You have to admit that what would have happened on that season without Carrie? Hasn't Carrie been all the drama? So, as boring as Dallas is, and you guys are all hating on Carrie, because I've seen it since the start of the season, you all bitch about Carrie. Carrie's the worst. You wouldn't have even had any content without Carrie. So, maybe you should be thanking her. In some other Bravo news, Dana from Vanderpump Rules, she was the new girl that came on last season. She confirmed that she's not coming back to the show. I don't know if she was fired. I don't know if she quit. I don't know if Vanderpump Rules just isn't coming back. But I was quite surprised because she was like the new main character. And out of all the new people that they brought in, she was the one who actually worked the best on the show. She was kind of like the new Stassi. I mean, she was nothing like Stassi, but she was like the new leading lady of the show. She had really good confessionals. She had a lot of storyline. She seemed pretty popular. Like, I know she got a lot of Instagram followers from the show. Sorry if you can hear that jingle. I just dropped some jewelry that I was playing with. I was, I'm like, what is going on with Vanderpump Rules? So, the, what? They've got rid of, like, everyone. Hang on. So, who's gone? Kristen's gone. Dana's gone. Stassi's gone. Jackson, Brittany are gone. Max and Brett are gone. What is that? Six or seven people. And then we still don't know the fates of, we don't know what's happening with Danica. Um, what are they doing with this show? I have a feeling they're cancelling it. I think that one of the blogs actually reported a few months ago that they cancelled the show and we didn't really know if it was true. And now I'm thinking mm, maybe it is true. And maybe people like Dana are just they haven't signed on because maybe she's like signed on for like to do something else that's conflicting because she's like I can't just sit around waiting for Vanderpump Rules to come back. I do know that she stopped doing her podcast because she said that I think she said she had other stuff that she had to focus on. She didn't have enough time. So I don't know. At this point I'm feeling like maybe they should just get rid of Vanderpump Rules. And now cuz now so much time has passed. I'm like I'm just out of the Vanderpump Rules groove now. Like you've got rid of all my favorites. Uh yeah, I don't know. Or maybe they'll do a spin. Oh, I don't know. The Hills is coming back. They dropped a trailer for that. I don't know if it's going to be boring or not, but I'm looking forward to it. It looked I don't know. I feel like The Hills is one of those shows that like even if it's boring because of the nostalgia factor and because, you know, everyone that's like a millennial grew up on it, we just enjoy watching it. It's like comfort TV. So, I don't think it even has to be good to be enjoyable. So, I mean, I'm kind of excited for it. I have slid into Spencer's DMs to try to get him on the show. Obviously, he owes me an interview. And I'm 
want to make it happen before the whole promo starts up because then MTV's PR will get involved and they'll be telling him like who he can and can't talk to and he'll be really busy anyway and obviously they're like balancing a family. Also, I know that I promised you a Jen Shah special and I am still going to do that, but the writer that I was talking to that I want on to like break it down, who's all across it, we couldn't get the times right. Now I kind of feel like the Jen Shah moment has passed. So I shot her an email and I just said, girl, I think when the next Jen Shah bombshell breaks, because I'm sure that more is going to come out, like something's going to happen where, I don't know, she's, there'll be a new development in the case. I'm like, when something juicy happens in the Jen Shah case again, that comes back into the news cycle and it's like, we're all talking about it again, then you can come on and we'll do a Jen Shah thing. But now I just sort of feel like the moment has passed a bit. So let's just wait for that. Uh, what else is going on? You know what? I think I've said everything I need to say about Colton from The Bachelor, but you know how I kind of gave him a hard time last week and I said that he was using this... Uh, coming out as gay to rehab his image from when he was stalking Cassie. Well, and oh, and he signed a deal for a Netflix reality show about being gay, which how I don't understand how that's a show being gay in 2021. Like no one cares if you're gay in 2021. I found out he was already filming the show before he even came out. He'd already started production on it. So now I'm just extra like, wow, like this was so calculated. And by the way, I just want to remind you about the stalking case. Do you guys understand how bad it was? Like a tracking device on someone's He put a tracking device on a car. Not only did he do that, he was sending... Cassie threatening text messages and himself, t- like he was sending himself messages from like this supposed stalker because he was making it like she was being, that they were being stalked, I think. So she'd be scared and then they would like have to be together, you know, on a, some sick game that he was playing, but it's like he was doing it the whole time. So he's sending himself messages like this. He's crazy. So I'm, I'm annoyed now actually. And I feel like he's not being held accountable enough. And I felt for like a few seconds or a few minutes, I was like, you know, am I being too harsh on Colton? Because you know me, I'm like, I don't like to hold people's past mistakes against someone, like constantly beat them up. I do feel like that can be a bit, you know, that does go into the cancel culture section sometimes where it's like, you know, you never let someone move on from a tweet or something bad they did. And I feel like everyone should be able to like apologize and move on and, you know, take accountability because some people go, we're talking about accountability culture versus cancel culture. And I feel like, yeah, you know what, Colton, let's put him in the accountability culture basket, but like, let's have him take accountability because he hasn't taken accountability. And for him to take accountability would have been going on Good Morning America, coming out as gay, but then like explain, like taking ownership of the stalking, showing an understanding of like why he knows that it's wrong, why he did what he did. Like, this isn't a bad tweet because I feel like, you know, why are you apologizing for a bad tweet? Why are you apologizing for offending someone on the internet? Who gives a fuck? Like, those things are stupid. Like, you're you're apologizing to who? You have all these people on, like, Instagram and, and Twitter and in the YouTube comments going, oh, my God, you should be canceled. You have to apologize for using a slur or whatever. It's like, fucking who cares? Like, I don't even know you. You're strangers. But this is like, you did something criminal. You didn't just offend people. You did something criminal. And not only did you do something criminal, like maybe you don't owe the world an apology. Maybe you just owe Cassie an apology. But now you're trying to come back in the spotlight with your own new Netflix show about being gay and, you know, your new lifestyle. So it's like, yeah, well, if you want to come back into the public arena, you do need to take accountability for this. Like, we want to see that you understand that 
what you did was wrong and we want to understand why you did it. Like what took Colton to the place of being like, I'm going to put a tracking device on her car. I'm going to send fake threatening messages from a pretend stalker. Like, why did you do this? Like, we need to understand that and we need to know that you know that it's wrong and that you've had, like, psychological help for this and, like, have done the work. Like, people are like, oh, my God, Rachel Kirkconnell, she needs to do the work because she went to a party in college three years ago. She needs to read these books. She, It's like, what? Do what work? What, sit around in her bedroom reading fucking boring racial books that you have deemed important for her to read and educate herself because she went to a fucking frat party? Colton needs to educate himself to, like, not put fucking tracking devices on people's car and be a stalker and be fucking crazy and not be able to deal with emotions to the point that he jumps a fence and runs off into the woods in the middle of Portugal like a psychopath. Like, that's account. Like, hold him accountable. So, I'm actually off Colton. He needs to come out and apologize and address all of this bullshit. And, yeah, this is a, this is the moment where you actually hold someone accountable. It's not an old fucking tweet. It's someone stalking women and putting tracking devices in their cars. So... So over Colton. Like, this is going to be a very anti-Colton podcast until he comes clean because it's just giving me an icky feeling that he can come out as gay and have this all swept under the rug and then everyone act like it's such a big, like, oh, my God, Colton, you're so brave. Like, he's your own TV show. I don't understand. what What's the premise of the TV show? Like, just join OnlyFans and let's watch you getting, like, ploughed out by guys on OnlyFans. Like, I would like to follow that. I think that would be more interesting than watching you on a fake Netflix show of just talking about, like, overcoming your struggles and, you know, going on dates. That's just lame. Like, no one wants to watch that. It's stupid. Dude, you gonna be silent the entire trip home? Um, yeah. Because you up and decided that you wanted to talk to Pumpkin. I gave you one job, but no. Do you know how to do? Do you know what I want to do? I told you to stay in the freaking truck, and you didn't. Okay, guys, let's just wrap up with a little Mama June Road to Redemption recap because you know it's my favorite show, and it may possibly be the best thing on television right now, if I'm being honest. Uh, so this is such a it's such a strange season because it's like you go from having these really fake staged scenes where it's like it's so badly put together that the characters like Mama June and stuff are like trying not to laugh while they deliver their lines. And then it'll go into like the most heavy, dark stuff about addiction and I'll be watching and, like, crying while I'm watching because it's so full-on. It's such a weird show. But they have this fake storyline going on now where Sugar Bear and Jennifer, Sugar Bear is Honey Boo Boo's dad, Jennifer is his wife, she's horrible, she's, like, the villain of the show. She thinks that Sugar Bear is cheating on her with Mama June. She thinks that he's gone back to Mama June, but he's actually trying to rekindle things with Honey Boo Boo because he's scared that Honey Boo Boo is going to get diabetes and die. So his whole thing is like he needs to meet up with Honey Boo Boo to warn her about the diabetes and like potentially save her life. And it's completely fake. And Jennifer thinks that he's cheating and she has this confessional and she's like, um, is he talking to Mama June? I heard that Hef is back in town. And she's like, <laughs> she's so you've got to, if you've never seen this show, please look up, <laughs> please look up Jennifer. So 
she's on the case with that, then Sugar Bear goes and he meets up with Honey Boo Boo and they go to get a Manny Petty, which some producer cooked that up because they just thought it would be funny to see Sugar Bear getting a pedicure. So they're getting <laughs> they're getting their pedicure. They're sitting in like those little foot spas. He warns poor little Honey Boo Boo that she could get diabetes and die. I mean, it's just one thing after another with this little girl. Like, there's every week there's some new tragedy in her life. And uh, while he's there talking to her, Jennifer, because he made up a lie. He said he was going to work. Jennifer is trying to call him incessantly, and they keep showing his phone, and he has her saved in his phone (laughs) as my dessert. And I'm just like, a dessert? Like, if she is a dessert... She's like an old piece of cheesecake from the gas station that's been sitting out too long and the cheese has turned rubbery. So she keeps trying to call him and then they cut to her at, because they live in this like little hillbilly shack in the middle of nowhere. I mean, they can't, they mustn't be, they're either not getting paid very much for this show or they're living in this shack and it's just pretend and they're just doing it for show purposes because the show works better with if everyone's just kind of like, you know, a redneck, but. I mean, whatever. So, they cut back to Jennifer and she decides to uh, track him a bit, you know, a bit of Colton style. I think she's taking some pages from Virgin Stalker Colton. She uses the where is my iPhone device to find out where where, uh, Sugar Bear is. And she's like, you know, he's not at work. And (laughs) she's like, I know he's with June or some other floozy. I'm a catch me Sugar Bear. So... She's, like, speeding towards where Sugar Bear is, and they have all of this, like, you know, the music, like, ba-boom, really full on. And uh, she- <laughs> Honey Boo Boo leaves, but for the scene, Sugar Bear pretends that he has to, like, stay back and, like, use the bathroom. So, Honey Boo Boo leaves, and then he comes out, and then Jennifer pulls into the parking lot, like, you know, what are you doing over here? And she's yelling at him, and then they try to break the fourth wall, right, where... They're showing, like, the camera crew and stuff because it's so fake. But because it's so fake, they're trying to make it look real by, like, showing you the cameras and making it look like, you know, uh, wow, Jennifer wasn't meant to show up here, even though she's had, you know, a camera crew following her the entire time from being at home to driving in the car with, like, aerial shots and everything. And then she kicks him out and then she says that he, he he's out on the street. She speeds off and then you see Sugar Bear again, another fake scene. Like, he yells at the... At the producer, he's like, you know, you know, did you know she was coming? And meanwhile, Pumpkin meets up with Gino to sort things out. And this is where shit gets real. He is owning up to a lot of the stuff about the addiction. He's like, yes, we were spending like, you know, $50,000 here and there doing, uh, you know, crack cocaine, whatever they would do. I can't remember. I think they, I think they did crack was the main thing, but they look like they did everything. And he admits to like pawning all their shit. But he says that he's changed and I don't, he's coming off pretty, he's coming off pretty well. Like he's coming off sincere. I feel like he has. It's hard to reconcile the two people because then I've seen him as an addict, even though I didn't watch the show before. I've seen the clips and he was like out of his mind, like crackhead, completely insane. And now I'm seeing him and I know it's like an addiction thing, but I don't know. I mean, it's hard to like reconcile the two personalities because. Even I'm feeling like, God, is he going to go back to, like, what he was before? So, I can only imagine how Pumpkin's feeling. And then Pumpkin, who's looking after Honey Boo Boo, has to worry about how it's going to affect poor Honey Boo Boo. So, look, they get through that and it's a positive meeting. And then 
they decide that they are going to go to Florida and stay with Gino and Mama June. Because Gino and Mama June are based in Florida, but they've, like, come to Alabama. First, the first episode, they came to Alabama because they had a court date. That scene actually may have been fake and an excuse to, like, get them back in the same town as Honey Boo Boo and Pumpkin and everything. But now they're going to go back to Florida and I guess next week's episode will be... um, Yeah, Honey Boo Boo goes to Florida to continue, you know, Mama June's road to redemption. So, uh, I love it. This show is just giving me everything. This was actually one of my favourite episodes. Oh, and at the end, uh, Sugar Bear comes home and Jennifer's locked him out. And the the final scene of the episode (laughs) is Sugar Bear on the side of the road in the middle of, like, nowhere. There's just, like, sticks around him and he's just sitting on the back of his pickup truck with nowhere to go. So, we'll see what happens with Sugar Bear. Oh, my God. I had a feeling that Mike's been cheating on me because he's been super shady here lately. Now I know he is. It could be June. I heard that heifer's back in town. Okay, that's it for this week, guys. Thanks so much for listening again. I hope this episode was okay. I feel like it was just a bit all over the place because it was just last... I wasn't expecting to have to record all of this for it because I thought that I had that interview that was going to take up like half of it. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, I have my anonymous rapper with 10 followers from Twitter working on the audio to see if he can salvage it. So, I don't know, I might do something with the audio if they can fix it. Maybe I'll drop it as a bonus or maybe I'll post it on my Buy Me A Coffee page or something like that. I don't know. It's pretty funny, though. Um, Yeah, so that's it. Uh, You can follow me on social media at UnpopularJP on Twitter and Instagram. Of course, please leave me a review if you can. And yes, I'm aware that it's really annoying to keep asking for reviews. So, uh Whatever, I'm aware that I'm annoying, okay? I'm just acknowledging that. Uh, if you want to support the show, of course, buymeacoffee.com slash unpopularjp. And is there anything else I need to tell you? I told you about the Jen Shah thing that I'm working on that. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to line up more interviews. I'm not going to announce anything anymore because I feel like anytime I announce something, things get pushed back. Like, I thought I've had, you know, interviews with housewives and stuff. Like, I have a big interview I'm meant to do next weekend, but I can't, I'm not even daring to announce it publicly because knowing my luck, it'll like fall through or something. Anyway, thanks so much for all of your support. Thank you for listening. And I will see you probably a week from now. I don't think I'm going to do two episodes this week because it's just whatever. Okay. (laughs) Thanks guys. Bye.